0: Welcome to The Creative Curmudgeon, where the intellectual elite discuss creativity and other important matters. Today we will be having a candid discussion with musician Josué Kinter, the leader of the band Josué Kinter and the Empty Pleasures. Kinter is first and foremost a true lover of music, someone who has sponged up elements from a cornucopia of genres, and this is very apparent in his music. He's someone who seems like he would fit in with various eras other than this one, but at the same time, he's the kind of eclectic individual who doesn't seem like he'd fit in with any era at all. I hope that makes sense. In his work, there's the haunting feeling of early 20th century folk music, the vulnerability of mid-20th century country music, the elaborate instrumentation of post-punk, and a deep Iggy Pop swagger in the vocals. We hope you learn a thing or two from listening in on our conversation. Is there anything you've been working on lately?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I got um, a bunch of new songs in the pipeline. I, I I'm kind of like always writing at least a little bit, uh, always writing lyrics, often writing riffs. But then, then of course, it's hard figuring out, you know, what goes together. Uh, mm-hmm. And and sometimes it all comes. It does just come together like that. But uh, hopefully the the band, we were were shooting to uh, record a new album in March um, because we just went up to Camp Verde and we did those uh, live sessions uh, with this guy, Max Harms, that uh, does really good work. I saw him releasing stuff, live videos that were kind of like, Tiny desk quality, like they just like looked really clean, really edited, and um, but they were all like country musicians, so I kind of hit him up and I said, uh, "Hey, if you're looking for any more musicians, any more uh, bands to record, you know, I, I'd like to do some stuff." He said, "Yeah, come on up." And so I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't seen him. This was all over social media and I, I you know because it was all country artists i was like I, I don't even know what i'm walking into like maybe it's some kind of more rednecky guy uh, you know i i don't know <laughs> and we get there and max is kind of like this like lanky um uh pasty kind of kind of punk cowboy guy he's got like just lots of tattoos and uh, he's uh uh, he's really into like post-punk specifically, you know, we started talking about Joy Division a lot. And so I was like, holy shit, this intersection of, you know, like the cow, cal- the country and the Western shit with the goth and post-punk stuff. I was like, this might be our guy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we started planning to maybe record a album with him in March, but, um, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and shoot for uh, just a single or an EP in march uh just to kind of like see how everybody works together how we work with max uh this would be the first uh studio recording with like my my new backing band so just kind of like you know what i mean it kind of seemed a little ambitious to like go in and be like let's do like you know 20 songs or something like that
0: and then (laughs) you know maybe something's not gelling right or something you know yeah, it's like it's like starting a relationship with anybody. You want to like you know, just kind of ease into it and make sure that you know there's there's good there's good chemistry and whatever. Like that makes sense.
1: Yeah, the first date is a dinner. It's not you know a road trip
0: typically. You know, sure. Yeah, not
1: a week long road trip. <laughs> sure.
0: Um, going back to what you were saying about um songwriting, do you always write lyrics separate? from music and then kind of try to combine them after the fact or how does that usually work for you
1: Um, no not always uh some of my favorite songs i think i've heard you talk about this with some other artists uh on the podcast but some of my favorite songs are like that lightning in a bottle type thing where maybe i'm driving or a lot of times when i just wake up I'll have, like, a full-on song in my head, you know, or or at least, like, here's the lyrics, here's the melody, and I'll have, like, the verse and the chorus, um, you know, so at least the skeletal parts of a song, and then fill it in from there. And so those, those are definitely, like, the songs that I think always seem to turn out best because I think maybe they're so intuitive, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but, I mean before I even really played in bands, you know, so like junior high and high school, um, I I considered myself like, uh, I hate the term now, uh, but, you know, like like I, I, w- I was into poetry, so I considered myself a little bit of a poet. I, I'd write a lot, you know, and I still write a lot. I think nowadays I, w- I would call myself a lyricist, you know? <laughs> Because I, I don't know if I write stuff. I don't really like um, spoken word most of the time. You know, I, I mean, there's a couple of people I, I really like it with. But um, most words, um, I think they're just like 10 times more powerful when they're coupled up with music, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So like
1: a great song, uh, a particularly touching like romantic lyric if it's like hit with like the right chord i mean just move you to tears you know and i wonder if that would exactly happen if you were just listening to it you know
0: dry (laughs) sure um but yeah that like poet thing like i've been i've been experiencing like that sort of shame lately or embarrassment a little bit as i've been writing more like poetry the last like couple years and like really enjoying it And enjoying like studying it, but like, I'm not gonna fucking tell anyone that like I'm a poet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least not, at least unless it was like a joke or something. Like, there's just like such a like weird connotation for like, you know, dudes to just (laughs) walk around calling themselves poets. It's kind of, it's kind of embarrassing. So I understand that.
1: I think there are some really great poets, you know, of course, stuff like that. And like, um, I, I think there's kind of like this weird self-imposed shame about poetry, especially within the context of like musicians. Mm-hmm. Because I think everybody's afraid to be like a, like a Jim Morrison, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or uh, uh, even a Patti Smith, you know, I, I love Patti Smith, but like some of her stuff <laughs>
0: gets a little bit eye-rolly for me, you know, like, sure. like okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of, like, adds to it because with, like, Patti Smith and Jim Morrison, because that's, like, kind of part of their, like, whole, like, mythos or something, yeah. and so, but, like, yeah, that not everybody can, like, pull that off, and I don't think there's anything wrong with anyone calling themselves a poet or anything, but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, it's it's hard.
1: And, I mean, they're, like, they're the types who, like, they were really obsessed with poetry, like, they really liked like, Rimbo and stuff like that, and, uh, and so I think they were a lot more, like, brazen about, <laughs> like, calling themselves poets, you know, and You know, like, when I was a, I I mean, it probably uh, goes hand in hand then with what I'm talking about with, you know, my days in in high school and stuff that, like, in high school, I was really into the doors. (laughs) So, like, and, and, you know, I I think as I got older, I kind of, like, you know, got got into, uh, I guess, I don't know, like, better poetry or like you know poetry that like uh poetry and lyrics that like appealed to me a lot more but uh i still can come back to the doors and like uh, you know i really appreciate them like musically i mean i think i think that intention of having more <clears throat> weight to the lyrics you know i mean was an important thing that really started to happen more around that time like in the 60s and stuff mm-hmm. you know the yeah, beatles yeah, totally. you know, all, all those bands like started to be you know a little bit more like you know i love i love early rock and roll too but you know like bebop Alula, like literally does not mean anything you know um well
0: i, well, I think it's i I, th- I think it's like a euphemism for intercourse correct yeah well
1: you know what i mean but yeah yeah <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm just saying. Well, it, I guess that's the thing too. Is like you know, um, a lot of the songs were about like kind of like young, um, hot love and romance. You know, like like uh, the early stages, the the dating, the you know, the sexuality and stuff. That's all good, but I I really do like stuff that has like a little bit more i don't know substance you know what i mean like i like that too but you know it's cool that music eventually moved into a a place where like we're like i'm going to talk more about you know my depression and (laughs) i'm going to talk more about this um i don't know even just like politics and stuff like that you know so Mm -hmm. i i have an appreciation
0: for that were there any specific or have there been any specific like non-musical writers that have been influential to your lyrics or or, or or even musicians that are like, you know, like a Morrison or a Patty where it's like, they walk that line, I guess.
1: <laughs> I mean, it sounds cheesy, but uh, like Shakespeare, you know, I read a lot of Shakespeare and like the uh, like, especially those sonnets, like the, the rhythm and the pacing, you know what I mean? Um, it's really ornate. It's really beautiful. Um, but uh, multi-layered. You know what I mean. I think that's like something that really interests me about it is that you know there's like multiple. Um, you know I'm not I'm not an academic, so I, I, there's probably like words for all this, but uh there's multiple elements of like symmetry. You know what I mean? Symmetry in the rhythms in mm-hmm. the run. You know what I mean? There, there's all. You know, it, it, it's so intentional, it's so well thought out. You know what I
0: mean? He was a um, massive influence on uh, Tupac. Which like totally, really? yeah. Which totally makes sense. Um, I, yeah, like his, I, his stuff is I, intense as fuck. I don't
1: know a lot about Tupac, but that that makes me want to take a little bit of a deep dive. Uh, I did start getting into him a little bit more um, recently because I listened to this really good podcast about um, the the death of Tupac and and of Biggie, and kind of talking. It was kind of interesting to me because it was talking about how like they got caught up like in the whole like gangster rap movement but if you really go to like their roots and like what their life was like before the rise of that stuff they weren't really all that like gangster like they 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 grew up adjacent to it and were like you know witness to things and obviously that influenced their uh their content but like you know they themselves weren't that i guess like hardcore is the way i understood it but the thing is Then they started playing into it and actually associating with all these guys, and then soon, like you know, myth becomes reality, and you know it kind of like snowballed. Especially for Tupac, it sounds like after um, what was the movie that he made that um, I I don't think it's poetic justice, but was Was it uh, Juice? I think I'm thinking about Juice, where he started hanging out with a bunch of like real like gang members and stuff like that. I don't know. I sound very ignorant about this because like like I said, I don't I don't really know anything about.
0: (laughs) Uh, He's an interesting cross section of like, you know, he had family members that were like active in the Panthers, but then like was also like a theater kid. And like there was just like a lot of things that like came together really nicely for him. But yeah, he was like super into Shakespeare and like that totally checks out because Shakespeare stuff is like so fucking intense and violent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to like, I'm going to like, listen to
1: some Tupac later today and like, try to get into the lyrics, like, you know what I mean? Like, try to look for the the influences there. That sounds really cool.
0: <laughs> um, do you, when you're like putting stuff together, do you kind of like with lyrics and music, do you write a vocal melody that's separate from the lyrics or, or do you write a vocal melody and then try to insert the lyrics into it? Or is it more just, like, intuitive? Like, you just kind of sing shit? Uh,
1: I guess, like I said, a lot of times the best stuff comes intuitively. Like, so, mm-hmm. like, uh, it, it comes almost, like, pre-packaged with a melody that's in my head. But, um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of times where I write stuff that, I guess, yeah, that would be more like I'm doing... Um, Poetry writing or something like that. I'm writing without any melody in mind, and then I have to like sit there and apply a melody. Um, I think because the instruments that I play um, primarily um, are so chord based, it's pretty rare that I, I write a vocal melody and then apply lyrics. Uh, most of the time, I write chord uh structures and maybe like little riffs and then i try to weave my vocals in there you know what i mean and maybe the maybe the melody becomes apparent to me through that you know what i mean but yeah i've never really sat down on a a piano or anything and like you know did a little melody and be like oh i should sing that you know Uh, (laughs) i'm
0: not i don't think i'm that good (laughs) Well, that's what I would have to do. It wasn't a matter of being good. It was just a matter of, like, if I had lyrics and, you know, a chord progression that was, like, G-E-C-D, I would just sing G-E-C-D also, unless I, like, had made a concerted effort to, like, do something separate from that. So, you're lucky. Uh,
1: Yeah, I guess, like, you know, artists, it's like (laughs) all our brains work a little little different. Some stuff comes, like, really naturally to some people, some... Come, uh, you know, uh, different things come natural to different people. And, sure. Yeah, maybe that seems difficult. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It would be hard for me to like. I I can like write melodies, but every time I write out a melody, I'm usually like, oh well, this should be like the guitar riff, or this should be like a synth line, you know, or something like that. I I don't it you know I I don't really end up applying it to vocals most of the time.
0: Yeah. But it but it'll probably influence it. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Going back to country music, um, I was having a conversation with a friend recently about how it's become the further away you are from certain eras of country music, the easier it is to like it. And I think we were, we were specifically talking about like 90s country and about how when we were growing up like that was such a ju- direct pathway, for example, to like George W. Bush and whatnot or like, you know, People from, like, King of the Hill, but if those King of the Hill people existed for real and, like, weren't, like, the endearing people on television or whatever. Um, And, but now there's, like, I I mean, there's still a lot of connection, I think, to country music and right-wing sort of people, but there's just, like, such an ocean at this point of bullshit that, like, country music seems so and is so harmless compared to, like, 4chan or Alex Jones or, like, something like that. And so it's become, I think, easier to enjoy country music without associating it with (laughs) politics. I'm curious if you've had any similar experience with listening to it, playing it, etc.
1: Um... Well, actually, this is really interesting because I was just listening to um, NPR the other day, and they they had, they did a whole segment on uh, the political uh, association with country, and uh, it was really interesting to hear them talk about, of course, like all the obvious like links with uh, right wing uh, politics in this country. But then they also, uh, you know, made a point to mention a bunch of different um, artists that were pretty left wing. I mean, the obvious one would be like. Um, uh willie nelson you know what i mean oh, sure. uh and i mean when you think about willie nelson i mean he goes back to like you know he was in the 50s writing songs for like patsy Cline and stuff like that so i mean he's been mm-hmm. like a staple it's not like he just kind of i think people sometimes associate him with like kind of springing out of the like hippie stuff and i think that's maybe where he like achieved superstardom but it's just like he's been kind of like influencing country for like a pretty long time and definitely has more progressive politics uh roger miller is like another person kind of like that
0: um but with like country music i feel like my experience I i guess it just depends on like how you first come into like that sort of thing because like when i first got into like nirvana for example like a big thing with like nirvana was that they were going against just like traditional masculine bullshit so in addition to really liking the music like that was my kind of introduction into being like um less of a man or whatever, but like with country music, for example, like my introduction to it was that people were listening to it around me that were at the time terrible. And so like, (laughs) I feel like if you have some sort of introduction to country music, that's not that, then maybe it's uh, easier to get into it earlier.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that must be part of it is, um, on my mom's side of the family, you know, um, like, my grandpa, like, grew up on a, a, a farm in Oklahoma, and um, he was really into uh, older country. Like, he was the first person to show me, like, Johnny Cash. Uh, he, he also really liked old blues, uh, so he showed me, like, Howlin' Wolf. He showed me, like, Bo Diddley. And he would tell me these really cool stories about, like, riding into town with his brother to, like, go see these uh, blues musicians. He would go to blues clubs and stuff. And I guess... My my grandpa was just kind of a, uh, a good example of that to me because he was just like a like white man who, you know, was born in the forties and in um you know, grew up uh in a rural environment and yet politically um he was like, I mean, pretty progressive. I mean, as far as most, uh, grandparents that, uh, that I knew, uh, you know, through friends and stuff like that, I mean, he, um, seemed to lean left, you know, uh, so yeah, you know, <laughs> I think, I think I did lose my train of thought a little bit, but, um, oh, cause we were talking about country and it, and it, and it's, um leanings but yeah i I think because he was uh, uh, introducing a lot of stuff to me that way i didn't take it you know i mean growing up in arizona it's unavoidable like you know i of course i grew up and saw like okay (laughs) country is definitely especially kind of like what you're talking about like modern country 90s country is definitely associated with like george w bush and you know you know um and i'm proud to be an american right you know yeah exactly that 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 kind of stuff um and i guess maybe uh there is a lot of truth to what you're saying about the the distance because i mean i just listen to a lot of old country you know i I still don't really listen to 90s country i don't really listen to anything beyond the 70s
0: what is your like creative routine like when you do Sit down to uh to do something. You've gone into it a little bit, but uh do you have like rituals and whatnot?
1: Oh no, I, I'm so chaotic, man. I wish I wish I had rituals. I wish I was more structured. Um the lyrical part of my brain is like always going, so I guess I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm always like now that I have learned how to use my iPhone more. <laughs> and I'm using like the notes app. It's like every, every day I'm like writing little like couplets and stuff like that. And you know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're doing that kind of volume, and as I'm sure you could relate, cause I know you write a lot, but uh, it'll be like, you know, a lot of it's trash. Right? You know, a lot of it I, I never come back to, but I think like having that Allowing that free flow of it rather than holding it back. Because I think when you start to become more self conscious and be like, oh, you know, I don't think this is worth me writing down, well, then you'll stop. You'll, you'll, that, that lends itself to the writer's block and stuff. But uh, I just kind of let things come out, you know, and maybe I'm reflecting about something that i'm dealing with uh recently or maybe i'm uh, learning about a new concept or something like that and i i guess i just always have a tendency to reduce those ideas into like little you know lyrical phrases and stuff like that and so so that's always going but uh, unfortunately outside of a pretty regular rehearsal that I have with my band, I don't really have like, I'm not like, Oh, uh, every other day or, you know, on Wednesdays in the evening, I sit down and I pick up my guitar, or play piano. I, I wish I was more structured like that, but it really is just kind of, it's like playtime for me, you know? And I mean, that's probably just like where, where my life is at in general as a, uh, dad and a uh you know a uh, member of capitalist society so i'm like working a lot <laughs>
0: um yeah, yeah. uh so, so you don't you don't do like uh you know from 10 to 11 i'm going to like write stuff so much as just like you know you know you're, I think you're going cool. about your day and then you think of something and then write it down
1: yeah and then yeah uh, and uh and then there's the voice memo app on uh on your phone that I just I love that thing so I'll, you know when the lyrics do come with like a melody I'll just sing them and I'll write them in the note app and then I'll sing them into the voice memo and then I'll uh save the voice memo into the note with the lyrics you know what I mean like so it's like it's like a whole idea for me to come back to <laughs> but yeah. um uh and, and so yeah w- without technology I mean without technology I probably would not retain uh, a lot of stuff. And it, it still happens sometimes where I'll be like, because I, I work uh, delivery and stuff like that. So I'll be just driving around. and Which is awesome for me because I do have to say a ton of ideas always come to me while I'm driving. There's just something about driving that makes me just kind of, you know, maybe I'm humming to myself or something. It just like slowly songs just kind of form out of that a lot of the time.
0: But um yeah, I drove for uh, Uber and Lyft for about a year and like honestly like really loved it. Um because yeah. like it was just it was really interesting to just like start a day of work and then just like not know what you were going to see or like yeah. who you were going to meet or whatever. But also, yeah, from like an idea perspective, like I feel like it just like works out your brain in a certain way, just seeing like different stuff or even just like subliminally, it might make you put certain words together and make something click in a different way.
1: I think you're really right about that. Yeah. And, and there's just something really uh, meditative about it. Cause it's like quiet, but there's like that, I guess like, like the hum of, you know, traffic and the, and, and everything like there's like static, you know, background noise, but there, <clears throat> I don't know. It's really good. Um, my dad, my dad, was a truck driver and so when i was younger when i was like eight or nine i used to go uh summers with him you know driving and going around the country so i think i really like appreciated driving (laughs) from that like being on the road for long periods of time and so i guess it's manifested later in life I've, i've just fell into jobs that are mostly driving or traveling and stuff yeah
0: yeah um there's obviously like a lot of podcasts and books and things like that about like being like creatively productive and things like that Mm -hmm. and i've noticed on occasion that like even like this podcast that i don't know if it's like the way that i ask something or just that that's like just like a thing um in our culture where like it could come across as like how do you stay productive as opposed to me just being like curious talking to people like when you do create shit, what's that like? Not just like, how do you just like make shit all the time? And Uh I've thought about this a lot, like the last like year in particular and how I assign just like self-worth to like stuff I make, including like the quantity (laughs) of stuff and how like part of it, like there's definitely like an inherent need for me personally to like make shit in order to like, you know, stay sane. But I feel like there's also just like the subliminal capitalism that is Mm -hmm. making me assign my worth to like what (laughs) I produce. And it's something that I'm like trying to really be conscious of, like going forward as far as like what I make and like how much worth it actually like has to me personally or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you have experienced any of that guilt or pressure when you have or haven't been creating.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, actually, I, I've been working on that with my therapist recently <laughs> is uh, this idea of allowing myself a uh, time where I'm like literally doing nothing, you know what I mean? Because uh, it's still doing something you're like resting and creativity is kind of like that too. Like the off time is, you know what I mean? Like it, it, sometimes you need to reset, you know, um, and it will benefit your art to allow you to allow yourself to do that um but i mean but i've definitely felt that you know uh where i'll just have like an off day and just be like oh i'm just gonna stay at home and you know i wake up at you know eight and then soon it's 8 p.m and i'm like oh i didn't do anything and yeah there, i think there's that inherent capitalist uh, guilt that is uh pressure for us you know um in the society, I mean, I do think, I don't know, I do think that certain people have certain kinds of like drives and stuff like that, and I am definitely a, um, I guess what people call like an A type personality, where like I I am kind of always pushing, 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 pushing. I want to um, keep doing stuff. I get bored. I get bored really easily. You know what I mean? So generally speaking. Days where I do nothing is because I am just burnt the fuck out, like, you know, either physically or emotionally or both. But on most days, it's difficult for me to just sit around doing nothing. I I, I really want to keep entertaining myself. And I, I mean, uh I think I I think maybe the goal in art should kind of be to do that to some degree to like to to entertain yourself uh to get rid of like the idea of like doing it for others or an audience or something like that you know what I mean I think when I was younger I had more of uh an idea of what I wanted to make and who I wanted to make it for and how that would what kind of idea of myself that would uh give me and give others, you know, the the uh impression that would that would leave on others. Um and in hindsight, like that that's all the, the worst shit I ever made. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I mean I you know I I I don't want to write it off as it was completely insincere because it was like stuff that I was into. Obviously you're pursuing something because you're interested in it but it was definitely tainted by this uh pressure uh self-imposed to to be a certain thing you know and so i think that that's a danger in art um whether that is uh in terms of audience or kind of like what you're talking about the uh capitalist element to just be productive, you know? So I think, I think it's really important to kind of embrace a sort of Zen outlook on it. Just let things come and go wash over you as, as they will, you know, sometimes that's that, you know, sometimes you're like a raging sea and all these ideas are just like, boom, boom, boom hitting you. And then sometimes the water's still, and there's like nothing and you gotta know how to like, kind of float in that and let, and accept that,
0: let it be what it is, you know? yeah it's 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 resting and i've as i'm learning more about being like neurodivergent for example like learning just like how that's a really you know important undervalued thing um and yeah going what you were saying about like doing stuff for yourself versus others i mean i've definitely experienced like that endorphin rush of like doing something and then people being receptive to it more than like this other thing or whatever and then yeah, that without yeah. me even like realizing that that's what i'm doing like that sort of pushing me in like one direction or another direction and i think people that are like using this sort of thing to communicate anything or to try to like connect with people on any sort of you know including people you know you won't ever meet or something like that mm-hmm. like i feel like could be very susceptible to doing stuff because they think you know unconsciously or consciously or whatever that it'll get like this reaction from people but yeah i've been trying to like reset my brain and do stuff that i would be so basically like when i'm doing stuff now like what i try to visualize is if i just like lived in a fucking cabin And like nobody was ever going to like see anything possibly that I was doing. Would I be doing the thing that I'm doing like right now for my own fulfillment or whatever? Yeah. I uh, recently watched the uh, shifting gears a little bit. I recently watched the documentary. Don't fall in love with yourself, which is about uh, Justin Pearson and is specifically most specifically about his time in the locust. Um, But he uh, lived in Cave Creek growing up. And I thought about this in the documentary. And also, like, I've I've seen him talk to, like, at Stinkweeds, where he was, like, just, like, talking crazy shit about Phoenix. And in the documentary, he does as well, which, like, there's a bit of a difference between, like, Cave Creek and Phoenix. But even so, like, there's, uh, it's something that's, like, bummed me out um, because it bums me out in general and people like used to live in Phoenix or Arizona and then leave Arizona and then just like have oh, like yeah. nonstop shit to talk about Arizona since they moved <laughs> to San Diego, Portland, New York, Seattle, yeah. whatever, like a place that's like more hip. Um, and I was curious cause like with you, I feel like your stuff is really rooted in Arizona. Like, I feel like that's something that can be heard very easily is just Mm -hmm. like the Arizona desert. And I was curious (laughs) about like your, like how, you know, being in the desert or in Arizona has like influenced what you do.
1: Yeah. um, I think a lot of people end up commenting on that aspect in my music or, or asking me about it. And, um, I think it's funny. I I always kind of wonder if that is in any way kind of influenced by people just knowing me or knowing like, I guess maybe me through like social media or something. And that, you know, I, I am very in love with Arizona and, and the, the desert. Um, but, uh, At least consciously, you know, it's like I don't I don't sit down and like write a song and I'm like, this is going to be a a fucking Arizona song right here. (laughs) Um, But uh, I mean, you know, it it is just like it's in my DNA. You know, I was born and raised here. um, And I did move away for a little bit. Uh, less than a year, <laughs> I moved to Portland, and I had I had the exact opposite experience where I moved to Portland, and I just hated it. I I I really th- I thought it was a beautiful city. Um, I enjoyed the environment, like the forest up there and all that stuff, but the people I thought were insufferable. <laughs> and um, I think it's because that in these cities that you know are what's the word i'm looking for i guess they're like in cities that are like known as like flagships for arts and uh progressive politics and all that stuff it all gets taken for granted and then you just get these people who it's just like they're cookie cutter versions of that and it's so boring you you get people who move there because they think that the city you know like keep portland weird it's like oh, well, you know, if I go here, I am weird. It's like, no, dude, the city doesn't make you, you know, like, your environment doesn't make you what you are. It's, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it forms you when you're younger, but I'm saying, like, you know, a shift in your environment is not going to change your your core self. If you're a boring person, you're going to be a boring person in Portland, and in New York, and LA, or in Phoenix, you know. <laughs> so, right. I, I just feel like I met so many people like that where they were just tryhards, you know, and Um, Phoenix I love because I think it's very much the opposite where uh, I mean at first I have to say like Arizona geographically is the most beautiful place in the country to me and I've been to all the lower 48 you know and um, so uh, there is nowhere more beautiful than the Sonoran Desert in my opinion but Phoenix sucks, and I don't mean, you know, I mean in the way that I think you're just talking about uh, other artists talking shit on it. But it, the city is oppressive. It's it's a sprawl. It's baby LA, but it has none of the uh, like cultural, you know, perks of LA it uh, is getting I mean it's getting better I think in some ways in terms of the art scene and like having more stuff to do but uh you know what I mean like especially at the time that like we were growing up for example it's like this place was like a conservative like hellhole you know and what I think is so special about Phoenix is because when the norm is this like um white conservative like cookie cutter house ugh, just blah um that if you are somebody who just happens to develop differently it'd be weird <laughs> there's like there there's some kind of symmetry here like a metaphor with like the desert itself you know like the plants here like a cactus like growing in spite of the the harsh desert environment like that is like the weirdos of phoenix it's like there, there's just so much creative like bearing qualities at times that like for you to really develop differently like you you are committed to that that's not an act that's not a like i am just wanting to you know um impress anybody it's just like you are a fucking weirdo <laughs> and mm-hmm. like you really are dedicated to that because it would be so much easier to not be that here. Um, And I could see why people move away, but you know, I I've never had any desire to move because I don't think LA needs more musicians. (laughs) I don't think Seattle needs more musicians or New York city. You know what I mean? I think Phoenix needs its, its flavor here. And now we live in the time of like internet and social media. So it's like, whatever I can get my stuff over to those places and, you know, uh, if the demand is there, I can go play those places. But uh, as far as my home, this is my home.
0: Yeah, and it, it I think it just depends on, like, what one is, like, trying to accomplish, too. Like, I, I get that, like, for example, people will move to a more hip place if they're trying to be successful in a certain way. But then the stuff that does come out of which like yeah phoenix is definitely less conservative than it was when we were like growing up like in the 90s it was like really scary um yeah but like you know a diy venue that opens up in phoenix is going to in my opinion be like a lot more important and impactful than if it happens in los angeles or whatever
1: right and that's exactly what i'm saying yeah and i mean that's uh that's definitely why you know there's like staples of the music scene here that i'm just so glad to see thrive you know uh you know as soon as you said that you know i thought about uh trunk space you know just like i'm, I'm so glad that place has been i mean i i started going to trunk space when i was like 15 you know what i mean Yeah. so now you flash forward you know 15 years later and like there's other 15 year olds going there now, you know what I mean? And, and, and having their introduction. So it's like, it's a generational thing. It's a cyclical thing. And like a place like this, like needs that so much more. But I guess if I could, uh, I guess if I could speak more to Arizona, I, yeah, as an environment, um, uh, geographically, uh, I think that influences me a lot you know, uh, the, the desert is just, you know, like I was saying, it's very beautiful. Uh, it's very minimalist in a certain way. Um, and that's something that I think I try to bring to my music. I, I think I have a a kind of minimalist approach where like, I, I really would prefer to have, multiple parts, well, like multiple instruments doing small things than like you know, very intricate, uh, you know, like a very intricate guitar part or something like that. Um, but like the small things coming together to create something intricate. I think the desert's kind of like that, you know, where you you can see for miles, you know the, these beautiful monolithic um, you know uh, rock structures and mountains you know, uh, the, the plants really stand out with wildlife here. Everything is, is just gorgeous. You know, the desert's beautiful and, um, and it's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's cruel, even it's mean, you know, and I think there's, there's something, uh, there's something there. I think that influences my, my outlook and my, my music. I, I, it, I think it's so ingrained that it would be really hard for me to like, Pick it apart and truly you know speak to it but yeah you know i i do love arizona and definitely i i guess it it, it must come through
0: well thank you so much for doing this um yeah this, this has been lovely i i wish you wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors mm-hmm.